Welcome to City Based Church Online. We hope you are all doing well. Thank you for joining us today. Here are a few announcements for the week. If you're joining us for the very first time, please tell us in the comments below where you're joining us from. Welcome. Happy birthday and happy anniversary to all those who celebrated this past week. We hope you had a wonderful and blessed day. We appreciate all the continued giving. Please continue to do so using the banking details on screen. Please could be asked that you give to the Bread of Life ministry as we would like to do it again but we need your help to do so. Just mark your giving as Bread of Life, Almond Tree, Base Pantry or Arms if you don't mind where the money goes. Since the start of lockdown 2020, we have given over 300 food parcels to those in need but the need is continuous, so please continue to give to these ministries. We will continue with our online meetings. Please remember there is an audio option only, which is more cost effective data wise, called Anchor. If you need prayer, please contact us in the comment section below, the church office or your home group leaders. Now I will hand over to Neil and Lorata for worship followed by Dion, who will continue with his series from last week. Hope you enjoy. down 
of God. Hung on a cross to
great to be able to be ministering to you again today. I'd like to thank you for joining our online service. We really do appreciate it. Last week I started a message and this morning I'd like to continue with it. And I pray that as I share this word today that it will challenge you as it has me and then that it will cause you to do something about it. In James 1 verse 22 to 25, it has this to say, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So can I encourage us to not only be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word? Can we pray together? Father God, I pray for your people, these wonderful people. I pray that as they listen to the word this morning, that Father, it will touch them, that it will cause the fire of God to burn in us again. That, Father, through this word today, it will challenge us in areas of our lives that we have compromised and that it will cause us to turn back to you. That once again we will experience the life of God in us in a new way. We ask this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. It's easy for us to get so caught up in trying to make the building that we meet in more visitor friendly 
We wanted to look good inside and outside, have great children's facilities, good tea and coffee, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it can cause us to become distracted from what is most important. Many times we think that these things will bring people in, and it may, but it will only bring them in for a short period of time, and then they will leave because the life of God is not there. I don't know how many of you have experienced this before, but it is something that I had the privilege of experiencing when it was happening. Many years ago when I was a young boy, God started to move in my mom and dad's life, and they wanted more of the life of God. They knew that God had more to give than what they were experiencing in the church that we were attending. We were invited by friends of ours to come and join them on a Friday night. It was in a double garage that had been converted into a hall, and it was called the Fish Club. I remember the excitement of the people that were there. They knew that God was going to do something. When the music started playing, the people started to sing and clap their hands and raise their hands, and they were doing it because they had a passion in their heart for wanting to give the Lord Jesus their best in their worship, not just because it was something that was done, but because they loved the Lord and they wanted to please him. They were excited about the word and they wanted to obey it. This was just a garage, but people came because they were expectant and the life of God was there. It did not matter what the building looked like. God was there. Friday nights grew to a place where eventually it turned into a Sunday meeting and God continued to move mightily. The building became too small and we moved from one place to another. In all that time, it continued to grow. People were being saved. People were being baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. They were being discipled and going out and leading others to the Lord. God eventually, through the people, gave us funds to be able to build a building. That building eventually became too small and was sold for another bigger, better building. That building also became too small. And then God blessed us with a big piece of ground. And on that ground, a big impressive new building was erected. And the people just kept coming because the life of God was there. Sadly, though, over time, things happened. And the life of God was not that evident there anymore. The excitement of seeing people saved and lives changed started to dwindle. What I'm trying to get across is that it doesn't matter what the building looks like. If the life of God is there, the people will come. They will bring their friends and their families as long as there is God's kind of life. His presence is there. The moment you lose it, the numbers stay the same for a little while and then slowly start to decrease. As this happens, the people in the congregation become more and more bitter. They become possessive. They fight amongst themselves. When someone new does visit, they find the environment so hostile towards them that they don't come back. And then we see the church become program-driven and it ends up dying. It's easy to put the blame on the size of the church. And we say things like this. When we were smaller, everything was so intimate. Everyone knew each other. And we were a strong team and we worked well together. I want to say to you that that's not the reason why the life of God left. Part of the reason is that as the church grew, people thought that they could just sit back and relax. Others would do the work. 
and we became more interested in our comfort, where before we didn't care if we sat on the floor in a cold building in the middle of winter, as long as we could be there. Now we complain that the chairs are too hard. We only go to church when the weather is fair. If the weather is good, then we don't come because we go out skiing or we go out and do some activity. We spend time with our families. And when the weather is bad, then we've also got an excuse because we don't want to come out. So we become fair with the Christians. Before we would spend hours in the presence of God. Now we complain if the message goes five minutes over time. It is not the lack or the abundance of all the bells and whistles that draw people. It is the life of God. Look at Jesus. People were always drawn to him. They were following him because he had the life of God flowing in and through him. On one occasion in Matthew Matthew 14, we see 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, coming to listen to Jesus. Not even empty stomachs caused them to leave. They didn't worry about physical food. They were getting spiritual food, and that was satisfying them. Wherever he went, people expected some, someone to be healed, someone to be set free, delivered, dead to be raised to life. There was an excitement that followed Jesus. And when you have the life of God, people will come, people will follow you, people will want to be around you. And I want us to look at two scriptures that I read last week. And the first one is found in Acts 20, verse 24. And this is Paul speaking. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Then again in Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul again says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Paul knew that if he considered his life worth something, that he would have lost the effectiveness of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the people. The life of God would have been drained out of him. He would have started to think things like this. I have done enough now. I'm tired of dealing with people. One of the younger guys can take over. Or I've had a hard enough life. Now I'm going to sit back at home and I'm going to relax. God knows I deserve it. If you want my help or my advice, you're going to have to pay me for it. I'm tired of doing it for free. Can you imagine if Paul had that kind of attitude? We would not have had all the letters that he wrote to the churches. We'd have missed out on all Paul's great teachings and instructions. The word would not have been the word would not have impacted the world in the way that it did. God wants to bring us back to his life. Jesus is the life giver. He's the way maker. And there is no lie in him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants us to live in that life that only he can provide. In John 12, verse 24 to 26, it has this to say, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life loses it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. When you have the life of God, people will talk about it. They will be inviting people to come and see what is going on. Or they themselves will come to see what's going on. Even those with critical hearts will come and see what is happening. And they will have their hearts changed. They'll be like sponges drinking everything in. Those who experience it, the life of God, are changed. They are passionate, excited. They know they are part of something much bigger. And they want everyone to know about it. The life of God comes from God. He is the source of the life. It is a gift that he gives to his church. And he makes it available to anyone and everyone who wants it. Can I encourage you? Stir up your heart to want this kind of life, the real life, not some kind of substitute for life, but the real deal. With COVID, in many cases, it attacks the lungs of people and people can't breathe and have to go on to oxygen so that it can assist them in their breathing. But you can't live a normal life being supported on oxygen forever. You have to come off of it and your lungs have to take over the role of the breathing for you again. As God's children, many of us are on life support, barely staying alive. This is not the way our walk with the Lord is intended to be. And I'd like to read one scripture, but out of three different translations this morning. And that says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's out of the NLT. In this one, this is the version out of the NRV. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Then out of the ESV, it puts it this way. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Again, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. See, Jesus wants us to have a rich, satisfying, full, abundant life. Not a life that's barely making it. God never intended us to just survive, but to thrive. Have life in abundance. For us to have this life of God, it will mean that we need to totally surrender to Jesus Christ. That we have a passion for his presence. A deep craving sorry, for the lost. Sincere integrity. Spirit-filled faith. Humility and brokenness. See, Jesus gave his all, and he expects his all from us. Sorry, Jesus gave his all for us, and he expects our all for him. <laughs> Do you still get excited about Jesus? Does what he, he did for you on the cross still bring you to tears when you think about it? 
and what your future would have been like without him? You know, many times when I think about this, or has your heart become hard and calloused? When a call is made to pray, do you feel angry? You feel, what's the point? Why must I pray? When you see they're unsaved, you feel, what is the point of telling them about Jesus? They're just going to laugh at me, reject me, waste my time. My friend, if you feel this way, can I say that you have lost or on, or you're on the way to losing the life of God and becoming one of those Christians that you said you would never become? If that's you, the time has come to repent and ask God to soften your heart once again and to reignite the fire of God in you. Let his life pulsate through your veins again. In Matthew 13, verse 15, it says this, For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they hear scarcely. Sorry, let me start that again. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. See, God's heart for his people is that we hear the warning and then do something about it. His desire is to heal us, breathe his life back into us, so that we can see and hear again. Can I say, commit all you are to Jesus. Give him the reins of your life. Let him direct the way you need to go. Get down on your knees and surrender your all to him. God wants to draw near to you. Are you desperate for him? It is going to take your surrendering to him so that he can come and drench your soul with his living water and bring back to life that which is dying or that which is already dead. Hunger and thirst for him. Stretch your arms out wide and cry out to him. Let him speak to you. It doesn't matter how dead you are. He can revive you just like he did in Ezekiel 37 with the valley of dry bones. Can you imagine how people will be drawn to come and see what was once dead and is now alive again? People will be drawn to you. And I pray that this is the cry of your heart. Lord, revive me. Give me back the passion that I had for you, the desire to know you more. Let Jesus have his way in you. You are a child of the Most High God, and it is time to live in all that God has for you. And stop the mediocre living. You may be feeling like darkness has surrounded you, and you can't find a way out. In Genesis, we see Jesus speak to the darkness, and the darkness is turned into light. Darkness has to flee in, the prayer, in his presence, and it will flee from you if you surrender to Jesus. Give him the reins of your life, and then his life will come and course through your veins, and you will be like those trees that are planted by streams of living water. You will produce fruit in season, and people will be drawn to you. They will come to eat the fruit that you have. You see, we all need the life of God. I want it, 
how about you? Is this something that you want? And the prayer of my heart is, is that this is something that you desire. This is something you want. You may have had it before. You may have lost it. Jesus wants you to have it back again. Can we pray together? Father, I pray not only for these people that are listening, but for myself as well. Father, I want this life of God back. Lord, I know how excited I used to be about following you, about the things of God, but slowly over time, I haven't been that excited anymore. Things have happened in my life that have caused me to turn my focus off of you. But I know you are challenging me to come back to you. And Father, I pray that these people that are listening today, that that same challenge will go out to them, that your Holy Spirit will start working in their hearts and that your Holy Spirit will will start stirring up something in them, that they will say they are not happy with where they are at right now, that they want more of who you are. They want more of your presence. They want more of your life flowing through them. And Father, I know that the desire of your heart is to give them, this is to come and fulfill this desire in their heart. And so, Lord, I pray for your life to start coursing through our veins, that, Father, we'll experience so much more of the life of God in our meetings because people are coming hungry to see you move. Father, where we may have died, I pray that you reignite that flame of passion that once burned so brightly. I ask this in your wonderful and precious name. If there are people that are watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why don't you take this opportunity today? Give your life over to Jesus. Surrender your will to his will. All it takes is for you to come and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for not trusting in you. Forgive me for living my life my own way. Today I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of all of my sins and to change me, to make me a new creation. And the word of God says that if we ask, we will receive. That if we knock, that sorry, that Jesus knocks and if we open the door of our lives, that he will come in. And so if you don't know Jesus, why don't you, you ask him to come in? Ask him to come into your life and change you. He wants to. He wants to be the lover of your soul. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you today to do it. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. I pray your protection on them and that you go with them throughout this week and that they will be mighty warriors in your kingdom, carrying your fragrance wherever they go. I ask this in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.